This is the Trucking Entrepreneurs Podcast, the show where entrepreneurs share their own unique stories, discuss business trends, the impact of technology, and their entrepreneurial journey, plus how you can benefit from their products and services. Join your host, Derek Williams, and today's special guest as he takes you on a journey through interviews with innovators in the trucking and logistics industry. This is the Trucking Entrepreneurs Podcast. Here's Derek. Greetings, everyone. This is Derek Williams, host of the Trucking Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest that has given me some very valuable tips as a podcaster, and I'm so glad and fortunate to have him as a guest today. Our special guest is Mr. Jamie Irvin, host of the Heavy Duty Parts Report. The Heavy Duty Parts Report is an industry-leading podcast where Jamie Irvin and his guests provide expert advice about the heavy-duty parts you need to buy to keep your trucks and trailers rolling, lower your costs per mile, and keep you informed about what's happening in the industry. So kick back and relax, and let's learn more about Jamie and the Heavy Duty Parts Report podcast. Greetings, Jamie. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. I can't complain. All is well. So how's uh, 2022 treating you so far? Well, it has been an exciting year uh, so far. We uh, Unfortunately, I started off the year with a disappointment. I wanted to go to HDAW in Grapevine, Texas, the big heavy-duty parts show, and I couldn't because mm-hmm. of COVID travel restrictions. I had symptoms, and so I couldn't, uh, I couldn't go down and travel. But ever since then, it has been up, 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 and away. So uh, we recovered from that <laughs> disappointment, and we didn't mm-hmm. let that stop us. And uh, yeah, me and my team are, are working hard, and th- some exciting things are happening. So it's so far so good okay yeah i think i saw on uh linkedin if i'm not mistaken that you had your team or someone go down there to do some recording for you is that right yes we uh i I was very fortunate to have some colleagues in the industry that uh, were there to step up i had my video crew already uh, planning to be there and so when i wasn't able to attend i actually had tyler robertson the ceo of diesel laptops who's a client of mine and a colleague and he stepped up and uh he stepped in as the guest host so for the first time in my podcast history somebody else was hosting the show. So the next three weeks, actually, um, February, I think it starts February 14th is the first uh, interview with him as a guest host. And for three Mondays in a row, uh, someone else will be hosting my show. So that's a little twist, but um, we got great content out of it. And I think uh, the industry will love it. That's wonderful. Let's say teamwork makes the dream work, doesn't it? 100%. There you go. Yes, sir. So, Jamie, how about telling um, not only myself, but our listeners a little bit about yourself? Give us a little history about who you are and sure. everything. So I'm I'm a Canadian. Uh, I grew up in the uh, east, uh, right in, on just, just a little bit north of the main border. And so I had friends on both sides of the border. We'd cross the line all the time. And um, I I grew up there. I left, I left home at 17 and moved all the way across the country to Vancouver. So I was on the west coast, just north of Seattle. And uh, that's when I got introduced to the trucking industry and started working for a manufacturer that uh, remanufactured heavy-duty pneumatics and uh, air-over hydraulic components, friction material. We we did brake shoes and did all kinds of things. So I got my introduction to the trucking industry there. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. Okay. So I'm going to ask you this. Um, I always ask this with every guest. Growing up, did you ever envision, it couldn't have envisioned being a podcast because I don't think podcasting, well, that's only been out, what, maybe, what, 10 years? Yeah, a little maybe? more than that, maybe 15, but uh, fifteen. yeah, you'd okay. have to be a pretty early adopter to, to be podcasting 15 years ago. <laughs> right. I know that's right. Yeah. Yes, sir. But at an early age, did you ever dream about stepping out? Um you know, at some point, maybe starting your own business or anything? You know, it's interesting. Um, When I was a 
kid, I had no idea what I wanted to do when I grew up. And there was a couple dynamics at play um, that I really wasn't aware of, but that somehow put me into the trucking industry. So one, my biological father, who I've never met, is a truck driver. And um, I had no idea until just, just when I turned 40 that he was a truck driver. So genetics somehow played a role in attracting my biological father and me <laughs> to the industry in different capacities. Right. I've never been a driver myself, but that was okay. uh, that, that was a dynamic that I had no idea was going on in the genetics. And I had a friend who like a really good friend whose dad was a truck driver. So I remember being around the truck and I remember one time uh, he asked us to go and, and, and knock the snow off of his uh, truck before he left for work. And I grabbed the broom and I swept all the snow off of the fish wheel and got his broom completely covered in grease and he yelled at me he yelled at me for that <laughs> no I, you know i my mom she she tried to um she tried to guide me towards a career in my in my youth and uh she she mm-hmm. threw all kinds of books at me um i remember at one point uh she talked to me about doing kinesiology or something like that or you know and it just i none of it really I wasn't interested i i played sports and i hung out with my friends and that's all I cared about. But I did start working very young. I work. I worked at 13 in the fields, um, picking potatoes every harvest uh, in the rural mm. area where I grew up. I also had three jobs by the time I got to grade 12. So I was packing groceries at a grocery store. I was working in an automotive repair uh, shop in a cooperative education program. And I also was working for a computer store. So I had a lot of different um, things going on, and I was kind of getting exposed to a lot of, a lot of different things. And when I, when I moved out West, um, you know, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And, and it, it, it's kind of funny because the job kind of found me. And once I found mm-hmm. that job, I actually worked for that company for 10 years. Um, and I was solidly in the trucking industry. And even, even after 10 years of working in the industry, being a business owner or, um, leveraging my, my extroverted personality and my natural speaking ability to get involved in something like this just, uh, wasn't on the radar even at that point. And, and, uh, through circumstances and the way things went I, I discovered entrepreneurship and it was almost forced upon me in some ways and um, later that led to being a podcast host and a consultant and all of that so it's kind of uh, I've always been a little jealous of the kid who you know is seven years old and says I want to be a veterinarian and then they go and do that <laughs> it's like <laughs> I, I did not have that kind of determination and focus I had no idea what I wanted to do I just kind of went with the flow right Wow. So three jobs at the age of 12. Is that right? In grade 12. So like all through all through oh, high okay. school, I, okay. I, I started those jobs. Yeah. Like at grade 10, grade 11, grade okay. 12. By, by grade 12, I had three jobs and um, I actually negotiated with my principal to get like like credit for those jobs. And I didn't have to go to wow. school as much because I just was running out of time. And I had all right. of my core classes done. I basically was graduated. I just needed to put in a few electives. And uh, he said, yeah, let's let's just make it so that those jobs become those electives and then you can graduate. Wow. So you just automatically have that nature in you to be a go-getter. Yeah. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. Uh, I, awesome. I will say that my, my stepfather, um, you know, didn't get any biology or genetics from him but uh uh-huh. he created an environment in our home where uh i i got to see a man modeling uh the the necessity of working very hard to take care of your family and so that was right. drilled into me and my mother's a, was always a hard working woman as well um and and so i think that those you know that environment just taught me that you had to go to work but we also lived in in a rural area in new brunswick that was very poor I'm very poor. Like in the nineties, my parents made something like $8,000 a year. And that's what we lived Mm -hmm. off on a family of four. Thank God we lived in a, in an old farmhouse that they they didn't have to pay rent for. They basically paid $65 a month to cover the, the land tax um, for the owner of that land. And um, yeah, so we were poor. And so you, you, you wanted new sneakers, like you want Nikes or you want a pair of Levi mm-hmm. jeans or you want to play basketball and get a basketball. Well, son, right. go get a job because there's no extra money yep. for you. <laughs> right, right. Wow. Well, that's a blessing, though, that you had that that staple and that role model to, you know, basically have that footprint to follow after to 
let you know nothing is free in life. You actually have to get out there and work. And thankfully, you know, I had a similar path seeing that with my parents. And I'll be honest with you, I hated it as a kid, you know, getting out there, um, you know, if you wanted something extra or something like that, because my father, he came up very, very poor. Mm -hmm. So he was like, you know, hey, if you want some new tennis shoes or you want the latest record that's out or whatever, uh, you going outside and you're going to go to somebody's um, door and knock on to ask them, can you cut their grass or wash their car or something like that? So that work ethic has always been in me uh, to this day. Yeah, so, you're right. I'm thankful for it. You're right. It is a mm-hmm. blessing. And, and uh, it's something that uh, assures you that all things being equal, uh, you're going to be able to survive. You may not always have a lot, but you will have food and a place to live and clothing and you can take care of your family. So. That is so true. I agree with you there. Yes, sir. So you kind of shared a little bit on um, what led you to start the heavy duty parts report and stuff. So was there any other experiences that really, really kind of like spurred you into to that saying, you know, hey, I'm going to stop this job or whatever, and I'm going to start the heavy duty parts report. It's- it was a bit of a it was a bit of a windy road. So um, I said that I worked for a manufacturer for ten years, and then I went to work for a distributor of heavy duty parts, Traction Heavy mm-hmm. Duty. It's owned by Napa Auto Parts, their heavy duty division. They do have some U.S. Okay. locations, but they're really a big player in the Canadian market. And I did very well. I worked with them for two years. I made a lot of money as a salesperson, and um, I took that money and I uh, formed a partnership with someone in the beginning of 2009 and I quit my job and started a business. And four months Mm -hmm. into it, he said, I don't want to do this. I want to go in a different direction. And we didn't agree on the direction. So we're still friends to this day, but it was the demise of our entrepreneurial partnership. And so all of a sudden it was June, 2009, nobody was hiring. And uh, I was down to my last $700. All that money I had mm. made selling parts I and all my life savings was gone. And so I didn't have an, an option in the heavy-duty trucking market at that time. Uh, but I fortunately was able to leverage my my network of people. And I started a contracting business in the Vancouver area. Exterior building cleaning is a big business in places like uh, Vancouver, Seattle, the Pacific Northwest, as well as along the Gulf Coast because of how much humidity and how much moisture there is. And so everything turns green and black and needs to be power washed and cleaned. And so I started that business. It was just my wife and I. We had 700 bucks to buy a trailer to haul the equipment. And this guy loaned us the equipment and then we bought him out uh, the, the equipment and we just built the business up. Six years later, we had relocated to where we live now in Alberta. We were running the business remotely and we had a bunch of people working for us and we had built a very nice business and we had an opportunity opportunity to sell that business. So we sold mm. the business and um, the my wife continued working for the company who acquired us and uh, I acted as a consultant and then I, I was out of work. So now I needed to go do something. <laughs> and my bosses that used to work at Traction um, had gone to work for Truck Pro out of Memphis, Tennessee, and they have a Canadian division. And so they found out where I was living and they just happened to have a branch in that small town that I'm in right now. And they asked me, they said, hey, we have a sales guy who's 70 who wants to retire. Would you be willing to come and work with us again? And I said, absolutely. I would love that. So I got back into selling truck parts. I was a sales account manager again. And um, while I was doing that, I kept having people that I, that knew me from the contracting world say, hey, how did you do that? How did you take a business with like nothing, build it up? Uh, you moved away and you were running it remotely. We see your trucks everywhere and then you sell it. Like, how did you do that? So I thought, well, how could I... How could I turn that into an opportunity? And I realized that maybe I could become like a business coach or something. And I started looking around at different ways of making content. And um, I started off with a blog, but I, I don't particularly enjoy writing all that much. And I found I found podcasting. And uh, I started off as being a guest, just like I am now on your show, on a bunch of business-related shows. And eventually I, th- I said, I can, I can do this. 
Um, and so I started my own show in 2017. I started off as the Jamie Irvin podcast for entrepreneurs, and then it went, uh, I rebranded it to build a better business. And I did 150 episodes. Meanwhile, the entire time I'm selling truck parts and doing my job as a sales account manager. And after a couple of years and 150 episodes, and you know how much work goes into post-production and editing and all of that, <laughs> um, I figure I burned about 600 hours on that. And, um, it just wasn't going anywhere. And, and, and one of the things that I realized I had made a critical mistake is that it wasn't uh, focused enough on one industry and one niche. And there's a saying that the uh, riches are in the niches. And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, when you think of that, that title, build a better business, well, who's that for? It's not descriptive right. enough. And so I decided I'm either going to quit or I'm going to pivot. And one of the things I was really concerned about is as I, as I was looking towards the future, of heavy duty truck parts and um, my role as a sales account manager, I was really worried about the the disruption that would that digital technology was bringing to other industries, and that it was only a matter of time before that disruption happened in the trucking industry. And so, I wanted to do something to set myself apart, and maybe it would open up just future employment opportunities. Maybe it would open up business opportunities. I kind of I wasn't sure. But I had to do something. And so I didn't want to quit the podcast. I just had to pivot. And so I remember getting my phone out. It was uh, early 2019 and I typed in heavy duty parts and a few podcasts came up that were trucking related, you know, dedicated to drivers and logistics and things like that and freight, but nothing heavy duty parts oriented. <laughs> And so that was just that moment of like an aha moment that I had the background, the education, the um, experience in the industry. I had worked as a manufacturer. I'd worked as a distributor. I knew heavy duty parts and I loved working with manufacturers when I was selling heavy duty parts for, for a distributor. I loved bringing them out into the field and we'd go to fleets and repair shops and we'd have these amazing conversations and they were very technical. And I thought, why couldn't we record these and make them available to everybody? So that in that moment, the heavy duty parts report was born and I launched it June 1st, 2019. And I ran the two shows concurrently. Meanwhile, I'm working as a sales account manager. You know, I've always been a guy who works a lot of hours. So um, right. I run the two shows side by side and very quickly, it's obvious to me that the heavy duty parts report is going to be the winner. And so I did a controlled shutdown of the other show and aired episode 150 as the final episode. I called it the autopsy of a podcast and, and build a better <laughs> business no longer, you know, cease to exist. And I, right. I redirected all my attention on the heavy duty parts report. And that led to business opportunities. Mm. That is awesome. You know, bagging up a bit, it's funny when you mentioned you came down to $700. This, this one of the reasons why I started podcasting, podcasting is I've always liked hearing stories about people because it seems like it's always a crossroads where you have to make that major decision. Either you go left or either you go right. One or the other is going to be your pot of gold. <laughs> so, but we don't know it. We we just don't know it. You just have to take that leap of faith and go with your best judgment or how the good Lord is leading you to go. And hopefully everything turns out for the best. Yeah. You have to make and, the best um, decision with the information you mm -hmm. have at the time. Exactly. Exactly. And then listening to you, just seeing that's another thing is you're kind of going back and reflecting and putting all the little pieces of the puzzle together to see how it led you up to where you are, you know, currently right now. Yeah. And another another thing that that happened in, in that whole journey is um, as I was as I was formulating my plan. And this has happened to mm -hmm. me many times. So, you know, back in 09, I'm formulating a plan to build a consulting business with a partner. And then I, something okay. happens that I can't see, right? He, he doesn't want to do it. And all of right, a sudden, it right. dis my plan disintegrates. And from that, I had to pivot. And I go into a, a whole other industry. But this gives me an education in business. I build a business from nothing, yeah. all the way from startup, all the way to acquisition. And and I got, like yeah. I often say, I got my master's in business in that seven-year time period, building that yeah. business. Then wow. um, another another thing, you know, I, I build this, co this, this podcast and it's supposed to be a feeder into a coaching business and it just doesn't work. I made a couple mistakes and 
I have to right. pivot. So I pivot into the heavy duty parts report. When I envisioned the heavy duty parts report, I envisioned it being a conduit to to find people to then sell parts to, maybe through an e-commerce platform or through a partnership with a parts distribution company. And what ended up happening is, is that my my guests started asking me to consult on projects for them. And so within six months of starting the heavy duty parts report, I resigned from my position as a sales account manager and started my consulting business January 1st, 2020. So a lot of times you you make the best plan you can with what you've got at the time and you take a step forward. And just by doing that, you change the game. Correct. And then from there, you have to adapt and pivot and you have to let the market tell you where to go. And you've got to solve a problem and fill a need in the market to be successful in business. And so you have to be flexible. But at the same time, you can't be um, inconsistent. So there's this right. balance to be struck with having a plan, working your plan, consistently moving forward, being determined, not quitting too soon. And at the same time, being flexible and being willing to pivot when necessary. That is not an easy balance to strike. I agree. I totally agree with you. And that word pivot, that is huge. You have to be able to do that, especially you see that right now with this COVID, how much havoc it is wrecked in the industry and everywhere. And people that are not willing to be flexible or be able to pivot or adjust quickly you know, a lot of times they wind up folding, going out of business. You know, they, they're not willing to adjust and make that pivot, like you said, to, you know, try different things to try to keep afloat. Yeah. And and, and change so. is sometimes thrust upon us by, by global mm -hmm. events or by things in our personal life or in our community. And um, prior to le like leading up to the pandemic and when I was working for these other companies, one of the things I was always talking about was the need to adapt and include a digital sales channel inside of a manufacturing company for parts or a parts distribution company. And, you know, leading up to the pandemic, there wasn't a lot of interest from people in the trucking industry. They talked about it, but there wasn't a lot of action. Then all of a sudden the pandemic hits and it's like, tell me more about that thing you were talking about last year. <laughs> and it, it actually opened up a massive opportunity for me because now all of a sudden the, the whole landscape inside of the trucking industry shifted in almost, right. almost within a three month period during that first lockdown leading up to the lockdown to when we came out of that first lockdown, let's say May to June of 2020, the whole industry okay. changed. Everybody right. now was realizing that digital was going to be an essential part of business going forward, no matter what part of the business you were in or what vertical you were in inside of the trucking industry. And so then all of a sudden when attitudes change and then all of a sudden um, people are realizing that there's gaps within their own companies and they need to fill those gaps. And so then they brought in people like me who can consult and help them and guide them through that. So sometimes the worst things that happen can also lead to positive things for, for you and your business. I totally agree with you on that, Jamie. I totally agree. So really getting into the nuts and bolts of the heavy duty parts report. Can you give our listeners like really behind the scenes gut report of what it's all about and what you do? Sure. So the heavy duty parts report started off uh, just interviewing manufacturers of heavy duty parts with one idea in mind. How do fleets lower cost per mile, lower total cost of operation by buying, installing, and using high quality heavy duty parts, replacement parts. So that was the, that was the, the focus of the show. And we, we did a weekly episode where we just interviewed a manufacturer, but then all of a sudden we had people that were, I would put them more in the classification of industry experts and technology companies. And, and we had people who were challenging the status quo in the trucking industry. And then, and then we had my clients who were looking for more information on how to create a digital sales channel and how to sell heavy duty parts. So all of a sudden the heavy duty parts report needed to shift a little bit. And so at the beginning okay. of this year, we went to three episodes a week and we have three separate mm -hmm. segments 
And I always tell people our core audience is repair technicians, parts technicians, and fleet maintenance managers who who want to learn about the role that heavy-duty parts play in lowering their total cost of operation. That is always going to be the focus of the show. But um, we've, we've needed to expand the format to really reach everyone who's interested in our, in our content. So on Monday, we have our Industry Insight interview. This is primarily with parts manufacturers. And we talk about the technical reasons that a part is made a certain way and how that impacts total cost of operation. And we talk about those kinds of things. On Wednesday, we talk about how to sell more parts. And so that's for manufacturers and and distributors to learn how to incorporate digital sales channel in their business. And that, that Wednesday episode, it's not for everyone. It's, it's really for the people who sell parts. And then Friday, we created a segment that's um, called Think Outside the Box. And that's where we challenge the status quo in the trucking industry. And this is where technology companies and other companies that are really shaking things up in the industry come on the show mm-hmm. and talk about uh, the, their solutions to specific problems. And a lot of times they, the, there is a, a parts angle to it, but sometimes mm-hmm. it's, it's more about maintenance and repair and just the overall operation of a, of a commercial fleet. So, so okay. that's, that's who we are. That's our format. Uh, we air this on heavydutypartsreport.com. Our website is our central hub for all of our content, but then we're on every podcast player and app known to man, as well as uh, we have a a robust social media presence. And we also do a weekly email. So if you want to just get an email with links to the latest episodes, you can do it that way. Behind okay. the scenes, um, I'm the host. I'm I'm the voice and the face of the of the podcast. But I have a I have a really great team. So I have strategic uh, contractors around the the country in the U.S. and Canada that provide me with video and audio services. So when we do on site, like at trade shows and things like that, so we've got teams built around the country to to help us to create content. Uh, we'll be going to the Technology and Maintenance Council's annual meeting in Orlando, Florida in March, the beginning of March. And we've got a team in Orlando that works with us on lots of projects. Um, internally in our business, we have a mighty team of four. So there's myself, who I guess you could call me the uh, executive producer of the show and the host. Um, also okay. the head consultant. And then we have my wife who takes care of the finance side of the business. And then we have a marketing manager. Her name is Diana Cudmore. She's in um, in Indianapolis. And uh, she helps uh, with with the marketing side of the business as well as uh, assist me in consulting. She's got a, a bachelor's in marketing and is working towards her master's. That's awesome. And then we have a uh, audio uh, and video engineer who does all the editing. His name is Taryn Hohenson, and uh, he works with a team of people. There's there's some uh, subcontractors who will help him with uh, doing all of the editing and things like that. So we produce right. a lot of content for ourselves, uh, but we also we have clients who then lean on us to provide them with strategy and provide them with uh, services related to creating content for their companies as well. They see that we do a good job for ourselves and it's just a natural fit. If we're already helping them with strategy, then we can also help them uh, with their projects. And and we do a lot of co-branded content as well with uh, certain uh, partners of the show who sponsor the show. And that's an exciting emerging part of what we do is, is uh, working with you know, very closely with specific companies that are really helping the industry. Cause I believe that the trucking industry is the backbone of society. And so, uh, I, yes, I want to yes. make money and be successful, but I also want to <laughs> impact and support the industry because we need it in the long term. Yes, we do. Yeah. And I definitely agree with you about trucking being the backbone of the industry, because if something happened to, to, to that industry, Ooh, we, everything is mostly going to shut down. We, we did a report on that. And, uh, within 30 days, we're talking, we're talking basically anarchy and the end of, of Western civilization as we know it. Within three days, people start dying. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, you think about it, right? Um, all the infrastructure is supported. So all the energy infrastructure is supported by trucking. All of the necessities of life, including food, medicine, water, clothing, um, is, is provided by trucking. And so most, uh, communities have about three days worth of supply when it comes to food and, uh, and medicine. And so you Mm -hmm. think of, for example, diabetics, um, within three days, they, they stop 
they, if they run out of insulin, they can't get more within three days. Uh, so right. their life is at risk. People who are on oxygen within, I think, something like a week, uh, there's no more yeah. oxygen at hospitals. Uh, it's just, it's devastating. So people don't, you know, trucking is is un, largely unseen. It tr- Trucks travel the highways and they, they go into the industrial parks and that's about all you see. Maybe, you know, <laughs> for most people in their neighborhoods, they don't see big trucks, right? But that right. doesn't mean that right. big trucks aren't involved in every aspect of their life. So true. So true. So how's it going for you so far with your podcast? You're doing very well with it? Yeah, we had a record month in January. We had over 300,000 impressions. Um, this month wow. in February, we're at 240,000. Uh, that that was with the assistance of a couple viral posts on TikTok, which was amazing. But uh, no, we, we, we've done very, very well. And, and our growth is consistent. And we've definitely followed what they call a hockey stick curve. And as a Canadian, I love that analogy. But if you imagine a hockey mm-hmm. stick laying down... Um, for a long time, you know, you only have incremental small growth in your show Mm -hmm. and it almost feels like, is anybody listening? Does anybody care? And then all of a sudden you get to the end of that and you hit the the blade where it curves upwards. And we're definitely now, uh, I I believe in 2021, we hit that. And now in 2022, we are enjoying the fruits of, of our labor. And, you know, people who meet me today, they, they say, wow, you've accomplished a lot. We're in syndication on TNC radio and um, we've, we've got a great audience and things like that. But people have to remember that, I've been at this since 2017. I had a whole show that I did that failed. I, you know, it's, this is uh, 20 years in the making. If you include all of my experience working in the trucking industry. Genius. Genius. Wow. So Jamie, uh, what improvements do you see that are needed in the heavy duty parts industry? Is there any type of. Yeah. So um, one thing that I keep talking to my clients about and I and I've been talking to a lot of fleets about is the pandemic has has really illuminated a a problem that largely was unseen before and, and that is losing visibility of your parts. So you can imagine if you're a fleet or an owner operator and you have a truck down, you know, you, you call your parts supplier and you ask for the part. And if you're expecting that part to be delivered that day or the next day, you're making very different decisions than if you know ahead of time that that part isn't going to be available for seven to 14 days. It's a, you have a completely different a, a plan of attack with those two pieces of information. And what, what happened before the pandemic is that um, people just didn't pay attention to that enough. There was other problems like the, like the technician shortage and the driver shortage that were, that were dominating their thoughts. Um, there okay. was the adoption of, of new technology, like the electrification of the industry that, that were dominating fleets. Um, and, and parts was just something like, yeah, well, you know, we get the part when we get it and we'll, we'll make do. But with supply chain issues, it became a real pain point and it highlighted a, a bigger problem. And that is, is that um, fleets need to maintain visibility of their parts from the moment that they order it. And they need to know right from the manufacturer through the distribution channel, whether it's an independent distributor or a dealer, where those parts are and when they're going to be delivered. And the reason okay. why is because if I know that that part isn't coming for seven days, I'm moving that truck out of my bay. I'm bringing Mm -hmm. in other trucks that I have parts for that I can fix or do PMs, preventative maintenance on. I may even decide uh, a different path for my drivers. I may assign drivers to different trucks and I may call my rental fleet and bring in some trucks. I'm going to make a whole series of different decisions that have a massive impact on my revenue and my ability to service my, my customers as a fleet and get those loads delivered. You know, we, we can't have right. food and, and medicine and water and oxygen and all of these critical things for, for human beings. Uh, they, right. they cannot be delayed. Right. So, so Correct. with that right. vis- greater visibility comes uh, more efficiency and, and more uptime. And so this is a this is a larger discussion that we're having on the manufacturing and parts distribution side. This is something I'm I'm definitely trying to champion is that companies need to keep the best parts of the traditional distribution channel that we've used for decades. Keep the okay. best parts. Don't abandon those things, but we need to re-envision the buying journey for fleets and for owner operators and we need to make sure that we are leveraging digital tools in a digital sales channel that makes it as efficient and as easy and maximizes the the uh, visibility of where parts are in the supply chain for the end user. 
And so Correct. manufacturers need to do this and they need to manage something called channel conflict where they, their distributors and dealers aren't you know, panicking that the manufacturer is going direct to the consumer, but they still need to con- to communicate and build a relationship with the consumer. And this is a right. complex issue and there's a lot of moving parts, but I do believe that if we, if we really adopt a, a digital first approach, even though we may be part of a traditional company that's been around for decades, uh, we can mm-hmm. rise to this challenge and we can solve this problem for fleets, which is only going to make them stronger, make them more efficient, help them to get the products to the people faster, which actually will alleviate supply chain issues and help with decreasing the growth in inflation right now. Because as long as demand outstrips supply, no mm-hmm. matter what the Federal Reserve does in the U.S. or the Bank of Canada does in Canada, inflation is going to continue to rise. And so we have to get back to a place where supply is greater than demand to bring prices back down out of the stratosphere and make it uh, more <laughs> livable for the average uh, American and Canadian. Correct. Correct. You, you hit it on all points there. Yes, sir. So you do believe technology is is huge. I know you said digital a couple of different times. So you do believe technology does play a huge part of the growth in the heavy duty parts industry, as well as the trucking industry, period. I do. And, and I also, Mm -hmm. before I started down this journey, I had a fear and, and that fear was that, that technology was going to replace me. That's why when I was a sales account manager, I looked for it and I said, am I even going to have a job in, in five years? If, and I've learned something, I learned that I shouldn't be afraid of technology and neither should you, because here's, here's the other reality that we're up against in the Western world. We have what's called a demographic inversion happening. If you look at birth rates, they have been declining steadily for the last 40 years plus. And because of that, we just have less people uh, available to take senior roles as baby boomers exit the the industry. And so there are more people leaving than mm-hmm. coming into our industry. And so mm-hmm. technology is actually going to help us to solve the problem. You think about right now, we, we are short 80,000 drivers. And right, right now, the prediction is that we are going to be short 160,000 drivers by 2030. We need autonomous vehicles, not to take people's jobs, but to replace or to fill the unfilled jobs that we currently have. Um, That's right. When you think Mm -hmm. of repair technicians, there is a massive shortage of repair technicians, and it's also impacting parts technicians as well. And it's the same thing. If we can create a digital sales channel, if we can provide repair information and diagnostic tools to repair technicians, and if parts people have access to digital sales channels where commodity parts are purchased with an e-commerce platform and more complex uh, purchases and the people who have the knowledge are able to Mm -hmm. focus on those kinds of things. Uh, then everybody gets better, right? The the buyer, the seller, everybody is more efficient. And we've seen data that shows that e-commerce can reduce the cost of accepting an order on a commodity part by up to 30%. So that's money right to the wow. bottom line. And when you have yes, people with 40 and 50 years experience retiring and you have poor young kids who have five years experience trying to step up and replace them. And there's not enough people like me with 25 years of experience to, to do the job. God, we, we need people to buy on yes. e-commerce platforms so that when they call us that we have time to help them solve more complex issues and make better decisions on, on things that I call business development type purchases where you bring on mm-hmm. a product line for your fleet that's much more expensive maybe up front on the purchase price but has this massive um, reduction in total cost and it's those kinds of more complex sales that our experienced people need to focus on to support the trucking industry where where people can just buy commodity stuff on a, on a robust e-commerce platform and and everybody wins so technology is going to help us uh, fight off the full impact and of, of this this demographic inversion that the whole West is experiencing, not just the trucking industry. All industries are up against this. And I'll say one thing other on inflation. We don't sure. solve this problem. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm telling you, inflation will not go away for the next 10 years. So uh, technology right. will actually have an impact on your bottom line, as well as uh, help you be more efficient in your business. Right. 
So I better go back to school and, and learn some about technology, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's coming, my friend, but you're on the right track. At least you got a podcast. So you're already using yes, digital sir. tools to communicate. And hey, if people know who you are, then you'll get business opportunities. Sounds good to me. I'm looking forward to it. So what, where do you see the uh, Heavy Duty Parts Report podcast within the next three to five years? You have any big plans? I have some very big plans uh, uh -oh. that will far exceed just what we're doing at the Heavy Duty Parts Report. But uh, okay. let's just let's just reserve some of those plans for a future episode when I'm more free to talk about them. Okay. Um, but I, I, but I, let's talk about where where we're going with uh with communication and with and with technology, so okay. we are in the in the process of of moving from what they call Web 2.0 to Web 3.0, and this is where uh, technology has finally gotten to a place where artificial um, intelligence, virtual reality, and augmented reality become a more dominant player in in what we do with communication. And so when I look to the future of the Heavy Duty Parts Report and any of the other media projects I'm working on, it's all about providing people with accurate, easy to digest information that is actionable and that can yield positive results in whoever's consuming that that information. And so it doesn't matter if you're a fleet or an owner operator all the way to a manufacturer or parts distribution company, you need to leverage all of this um, technology and you need to adopt it at a faster rate in order to be successful. So my plan over the next three to five years is to integrate these new technologies, to take full advantage of them, um, to widen the number of platforms that we are on, um, to communicate more higher value information and to scale all of that together um, to be a resource for the trucking industry. And, and in that process, we're going to identify specific problems that are not being solved. And, and we're going to try to reallocate resources that we are generating from what we've already done to accelerate uh, everything that we do and to solve problems at a faster rate, thereby you know, becoming a greater resource to the industry. So, so if that's the ethos behind what we're doing and, and how that mm -hmm. plays out, to be honest, I, I couldn't, and wouldn't even predict all of that because I'd be, I'd be dead right. wrong. Uh, we, right. we are just being open to the possibilities and we do have a, a plan for the next 18 to 24 months on, on a, on a way to scale what we do. But um, beyond that, we're just looking at what, how can we leverage the technology to help the trucking industry, uh, you know, to the greatest degree possible? And uh, we also want to take our our growing influence to continue to support causes like right to repair and uh, to to support legislation in the U.S. And, and in Canada that would protect the independent service channel and prevent manufacturers um, at the OEM level from blocking the independent service channel from being able to uh, take care of, of equipment. And this is something that's uh, also part of our overall plan. So, you know, we've got some mm. big ambitions, but uh, at the end of the day, it <laughs> all centers on on supporting the trucking industry and making sure right. that we have a robust, healthy, and strong uh, commercial trucking industry that will support our societies both in the U.S. and Canada. Absolutely genius. Absolutely genius. All right. Well, Jamie, uh, based upon all of your experience that you have, uh, what what are some valuable nuggets for someone wanting to enter the heavy duty parts industry? Uh, let's say like mm, a diesel mechanic or technician or something like that. What advice or would you give? So the first thing I would say to anybody listening who hasn't uh, yet entered the industry is this is a wonderful industry to work in with opportunities to make uh, income, personal income that is above average for your education level. So many of the people who maybe have a four-year bachelor's at university who go into other industries are able to, you know, make, let's say, between forty dollars and $80,000 a year uh, as a salary. Well, you can come in as a diesel tech or as a parts technician, and you could be making that or more within a very short period of time. So uh, don't, first of all, don't discount uh, this industry. And this industry is an industry that is full of need. We need people and we need them now. So there is <laughs> sure not going do. to be any shortage <laughs> of opportunity, whereas other industries are more competitive and there may be a lot of people competing and not enough jobs. So there's definitely right. more demand in our industry than supply. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to make a great wage and, and work in a great industry, 
join us. That That's my first uh, bit of advice. My second okay. bit of advice is to specialize. So when I was a parts technician and working in manufacturing, I found specific areas to specialize in, which I still develop broad general knowledge, but that specialization mm-hmm. gave me opportunities to advance more rapidly. And so if you're a, a diesel technician, for example, you know, special, specialize in diagnostics. Uh, the, okay. the, the more that you can be a diagnostics expert, the better. I mean, do you still need to learn how to change oil and, and do services and PMs? Yeah, you do. But but specialize mm-hmm. in diagnostics, specialize in electrification. You know, see where the industry is going and find ways to, to specialize. And, and you can do that in parts. You can do that in, in repair. You can even do that as a driver. Uh, you you know right. you can be an over the road driver, but you can also specialize in vocations where there is a high demand. So this is where the opportunity is. I go back to that saying: the 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 riches are in the niches. So you got to find your little your little space <laughs> within the industry and and your little specialization. And it's amazing right. how it can uh, open up opportunities for you. So that that would be one bit of advice I would have. And the, the second kind of in that vein is that we are rapidly losing people with 40 and 50 years of experience. And so develop relationships with those people before they're gone and and talk less and, and listen more uh, exactly. to what they have to say. Now, some of the ways they've done things are not going to be the way we do things in the future. But there are there are some tried and tested things that these people have learned over 40 and 50 years that, that will still be a dominant part of how we do things. We just may not use traditional means to accomplish the same thing. It's just be a digital method, but it's the same principle. So don't listen to the specific things. Listen to the principles and, and learn from those right. people while while we still can. Right. Yeah, a friend of mine often says, chew the meat, spit out the bones. So apply what you can and what you can't, chuck it to the side. Yeah, someone told me once you need 13 files, and the 13th file is the garbage can. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> some things just need to go there. <laughs> so true. So true. I agree with you on that one. Yes, sir. Jamie, I appreciate you sharing that wealth of knowledge with not only me, but with our listeners as well. It's very... um I mean, you, 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 wow, you have unlimited amount of knowledge that you have shared with us in this short period of time. And I appreciate that. Well, thanks for having um, me on the show. I appreciate the opportunity. Yes, sir. It's no problem. But before you get out of here, I got to do my trademark. All right. I got to, I got to ask you a fun question. You ready? I'm ready. All right. What or who has made the biggest impression on your life in the last year? And we'll stick to positive. We don't, I don't really do <laughs> negative stuff. <laughs> oh, in the last mm. year. That's a hard question to answer because I have been blessed okay. to have some really positive influences in my life. I, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to give, this is not to take away from anything that some of those other people that I, that I would mention. Uh, so if, 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 if you're not, this person doesn't mean that I don't deeply appreciate everything and the influence you've had on my life. But I would say Tyler Robertson is the person who's had the biggest impact over the last two years in my life. Um, he's the CEO of diesel laptops. He was my very first client. He's been a absolute champion of everything that we've tried to do. And his leadership and his uh, selflessness and his approach to the trucking industry has been a real inspiration to me. And without his support, I definitely wouldn't be where I am today. And again, that doesn't take Mm -hmm. away from any of my other amazing clients or influences. But Tyler has been a real dominant person over the last couple of years. And I've just really appreciated his his willingness to step up and help me, you know, I think it came down to the fact that he saw someone who had a vision and was trying his best and, and maybe needed a little help. And so he was willing to step up and provide that assistance because he saw that the, the sum total of what we would accomplish together would be greater than what we're doing on our own as individuals. And so, yeah, Mm -hmm. I really appreciate his influence and, you know, his leadership, guiding his own company through the pandemic uh, was an inspiration to me and, and helped me as, as a leader as well to be better. 
And um, his support of the show has been just, just uh, without his support, I just wouldn't be where I am today. I mean, he's the one who stepped up and was the guest host of my show when I couldn't make it to the biggest heavy duty parts show in the industry uh, because of COVID travel restrictions. So just things like that. I, I really, yeah, I, w- I would shout out to him and just tell him how much I appreciate everything that he's done. Right. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I know Tyler. Matter of fact, he was my very first guest on uh, my podcast show go. here. So, yes, you should call him General Tyler Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's been on my show many times, not not only as a guest host now, but also as as right. a guest. So, yeah, no, he's right, he's been right. fantastic. So go back and listen to episode one and go to the heavy duty parts report and hit the search bar and type in Tyler Robertson. You're going to get some amazing information from a from a truly great, great man. Okay. All right. We'll do. We'll do. And 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 I better say this because without okay. my wife, none of this happens. <laughs> so let's just be honest. You know, she's number one. Tyler's number two. <laughs> right. There you go. Yes, sir. Yeah, you definitely got to give the Mrs. credit. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Well, that's that's purely wonderful. And uh, Jamie, I really do appreciate you being a guest on the Trucking Entrepreneurs Podcast. And I hope to have you back someday in the future. I would love and, that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And um, again, I appreciate you sharing all that wealth of knowledge with us. It's, it's very much appreciated. Thank you. Yes, sir. You're very welcome. And until next time. Um, well, actually, you gave a little bit of a shout out about how to contact you a little bit going back a little bit. But would you like to go ahead and give Absolutely. So the the central place for all my content is heavydutypartsreport.com. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. links will be in the show notes. And that's where you can get all of our content. And, uh, you know, that's where you can find our social links and everything. So just go to heavydutypartsreport.com and uh, make sure you sign up to our email list so you get that regular weekly email because – your your favorite uh, host here is going to be on our show coming up as someone who is going to be helping us challenge the status quo in the trucking industry. So look forward to that uh, uh, upcoming interview coming in in a, probably a couple months. There you go. Sounds good to me. Yes, sir. And I look forward to it. All right, Jamie. Well, thanks again for coming on our show. And until next time. Um, I wish you all the best, you and your family, your staff, your whole team. I wish you all the best uh, to come from not only this year, but every year going forward. Thank you. You as well. Yes, sir. Thank you. And you take care of yourself. This episode is brought to you by My Trucker Pro, an online platform for transportation professionals, making it easier to do business. Join for free at MyTruckerPro.com. That concludes our show. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please tell a friend and make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to your favorite podcast platform. Thank you for listening to the Trucking Entrepreneurs Podcast.